Hello, and welcome to Not a Couple, a Will and Grace podcast. I'm Tess. I'm Matthew. And this week we are talking about Season 2, Episode 4, Whose Mom Is It Anyway? Yes, it says anyway, not anyways. I think anyway is actually the correct way. I was trying to think if I could remember the Whose Lines Is Anyway theme song. Do they have one? Oh. Yeah, they do, but I can't think of what it is. Uh, All I can think of is, welcome to Whose Line Is It Anyway? I think it might just be like applause, and then like they start with Colin Mockery. Yeah, there's like a like kind of like Muzak sort of thing that plays over it. Debbie Reynolds would actually be fantastic on Whose Line. Oh, yeah. Debbie Reynolds is in this episode. Yeah, okay. That wasn't just a weird non sequitur. All right, great. So let's talk about uh, the episode description. So Whose Mom Is It Anyway? Grace becomes jealous when Will is receiving all the attention from her mother, Debbie Reynolds. Jack and Rosario must convince the INS that their marriage is not a sham. <laughs> their marriage a, is based on true love of yes, money. Of money. And housing. And, and clean apartments. And the United States of America. <laughs> Yay, America. America. Oh, sorry. My mic is broken. Uh, <laughs> my mic is broken. Uh, Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama took my microphone to Kenya and they broke it. <laughs> Uh, this was a good episode. It was a really good episode. So we get the return of Grace's mom. Yep. Who we last yep. saw uh, last season. Yep. In the unsinkable Mommy Adler. Yes. Where we also have some mommy meddling hijinks. Mm-hmm. So that was fun. She wasn't quite as utilized in this episode. Yes. Last episode was a lot more Debbie Reynolds centric. Yeah. She was in all of the scenes all of the time. This time was more her popping up like two, three times. Mm-hmm. Which was, I thought that was fine. I kind of liked it. I, I liked it. She was definitely above a plot device. Yes. And like, importance to the storyline. Mm-hmm. So she had, like, some good zingers, and she popped in at appropriate times. Right, but she, like, seemed like a real recurring character for a change, yeah. as opposed to some of the other folks that we've seen on this show. Yeah. Who, like, they are, like, basically an actual clown that shows up for 24 hours, and then is never seen again. Exactly. She's kind of, like, coming, like, close to the level of Rosario. Yeah. Like, she's clearly not going to be as prominent in the plot because she's not a main cast member and mm-hmm. she's not going to be there every week. But, like, she kind of has the same punctuating effect to a scene that Rosario does. Yes, she does. And we also get some great Rosario this episode, mm-hmm. too. So it was just all around yeah, a good episode. Yeah, this is a really, like, populated episode. I mean, you have you have six characters, basically, plus an extra guest star. Mm-hmm. Two extra guest stars, actually. Yeah, it's great. I enjoyed a lot. There's a mm-hmm. lot of moving parts. Yeah. Um. So let's talk about the, the first part of the episode, which is the main A-plot with... Mm-hmm. Uh, Grace's mom comes to lunch with them, and Grace is bitching the whole morning about, you know, my mom's going to set me up. She always sets me up. She's bringing some guy with her. Oh, my God. Can you Grace has it? a speech that she's always delivering. She literally puts it on note cards, and at one point is, like, rehearsing it, like, but, like, um, without saying anything. And mm-hmm. all I could think of while she was sitting there at the table with these note cards, like, mouthing the words to her speech. I used to do, like, speech, like, forensics competitions mm-hmm. in high school, and you would always see these, like, crazy people in suits facing walls, like, silently miming a speech. And right. that is all I could think of when That's that was exactly happening. That's exactly what it's like, yeah. Then she starts delivering the speech, and it turns out that Grace's <laughs> mom has brought this guy, Adam or Alan or something. I don't remember what his name was. Alex. He so was woodchuck number two. Woodchuck number two. She brings good old Woody um, <laughs> to introduce him to Will, actually. Right, which he's never done before. Plot twist. Right. He gay. He's. They're both gay, obviously. Everyone is gay, but Grace. Except Jack in this episode. <laughs> Jack is sort of homoflexible. Yeah. Maybe he's bi. He's, he's getting by. No. He's getting no. by. No, he's Just not. let me have this. No. Let me have it. <laughs> you have Karen, sort of. Sort of. Okay, so yeah, essentially. So that's kind of the setup. Yeah, so Grace's mom is, um, Grace assumes she's getting set up, but it's, she's actually setting up Will, and then lots of emotions mm-hmm. ensue because Grace 
is mad that her mom is setting up Will. I think they really nailed the emotion of that. Because, yeah. like, we both know from our respective parents, like, how complicated... I mean, everyone has that with their parents to a certain right. extent. How complicated those dynamics are where, like, mm-hmm. someone does something and you interpret it a certain way because you've spent literally 30-odd years with this human. Right. And you have internalized so many things about them and vice versa. Right. That you make decisions and take actions that look crazy. Yes. So essentially Grace like basically loses her goddamn mind Mm -hmm. because Will doesn't hate the guy that he's set up with. In fact, he actually kind of likes him and they go out on several dates. Right. Because then there's all this, there's this undercurrent that like slowly takes over the episode where Grace is just like slowly losing it at the idea that like it's just so many things. Like first of all, that her mom is setting Will up at all. Yes. That she's done it so successfully Mm -hmm. that Will has no interest in defending her for the sake of defending her. Right. Like, Grace literally says that Will is defying her master plan, which was to convince... And he's like, don't, it's not a master, it's not a plan. Like, stop saying that, that's crazy. Um, Because, yeah, her whole plan was that Will would hate this guy outwardly to her mom so that Mm -hmm. her mom would realize she's a bad matchmaker and stop setting Grace up. First of all, that's not a good plan. That's a terrible plan. That's a bad plan. That is not well thought out, nor is it logical, nor does it act like you've ever experienced a mother before. Right. Second of all... It's a good trap. Second of all, when we get to the end of the episode, it is in fact revealed that her mom is doing exactly what Grace wanted in the first place, which is she has stopped setting Grace up on dates. Right. But Grace is not happy about that. She's a, <laughs> she's a not the happy about it. Sorry, I don't know why I was Italian there. Grace is not happy about this. She is pissed. She's like, Mommy, have you given up on me finding love? And it's just like... Which is like sad, but also where it comes to the episode, it's just kind of like... Right, like it could have been a very raw, real emotional moment, but instead it was just sort of like Grace's crazies cherry on top. Yeah. And so... It's complicated. It's quite complicated. Speaking of, I know John Oliver hates it, but It's Complicated is a great movie, so <laughs> go watch it. So yeah, it's it's a really fun episode. We get a lot of Grace spin-out shenanigans. Mm-hmm. We get some beautiful interplay with Will attempting to actually have successful dates, but also deal with the fact that Grace yeah. can't even right now. But I think the episode is really the strongest when, first of all, it's as strongest when Will and this guy, Woodchuck number two, are interacting. Yes. Because Woodchuck number two is actually kind of interesting and fun. Yeah. He... Wish I remembered his name. And yeah, Woodchuck number two. Woodchuck number two is a better name. That's what he should be credited on. Just call him Woody. Um... There's some really good jokes at his expense. He's just like a super normal dude. Yeah. Um, I'm sure he won't, but I kind of wish he would come back in a couple episodes just to like be Will's normal boyfriend, but I'm sure he vanishes. I have no memory of this human showing up again. Sorry. Yeah. But um, the other thing is I really liked that we got more of the... We got more insight into Grace as a person because mm-hmm. of her dance with her mom. Yeah, it was really interesting to kind of like watch as she's like shouting at Will like you do when you've kind of lost your shit. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's like, and he's like, why, why do you even care that I'm going on the state and it's going well? Like, I like this guy. What's your problem? And she's like, I can't believe my mom is setting you up and not setting up me anymore. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, right. oh, honey, I've been there. Right. We've all had that moment where we think we're mad about one thing. We're actually mad about a totally different thing. And it's mm-hmm. usually to do with one of our parents. Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah. And I found this episode to be kind of fun just to watch Will interact with Grace's mom because, my mom and Matthew have a bit of a relationship now, just because mm-hmm. they've known each other for 10 years, 11 years? No, definitely less than 10. No. But not much less than 10. You met her before we started dating in high school. Mm, that's yes, not right. That's absolutely accurate. And I probably just forgot her. Okay. So, Matthew and my mom have had a relationship for 10 years. Matthew only remembers <laughs> nine of it. That sounds right, though. 
Um, but yeah, so sometimes like my mom and I talk almost every day and sometimes Matthew will, he does this thing where I'm on the phone with her if I'm in the same room where he will just chime in and then I can't hear anything that anyone's saying. And so then sometimes we have a conversation. Mm-hmm. So then sometimes I'll be like, do you just want to talk to her? And then I'll just hand the phone over to Matthew yeah. and they will chat for like 10 minutes. And then I'm like, are you jealous of my relationship with your mother? I am not jealous. It is just sometimes a little frustrating when I would like to do other things with my day than wait for me to get the phone back so I could talk to my mom. Maybe that's what you think the problem is. And it's actually something totally different that you've just been repressing. I mean, maybe you could just call my mom if you wanted to talk to her, like on your own time. But you're going to call her every day anyway. Yeah. And then he's also such a weird policer of my, um, my, actions so I call my mom almost every day but lately my mom works until midnight and I am just not able to stay up late Mm -hmm. enough to do that because I work at 8 a.m every day and then I go to class so I call her during my break between um getting off work and going to class and Matthew will be like did you call your mom today it's so weird that you didn't talk to her why didn't you talk to her and I'm like Matthew I talked to her like two this morning well this afternoon and he's like well did did you say hi for me like how is she how's your mom okay the way you're describing this makes it sound like I'm the crazy neurotic one it it, it makes it sound so much better though I would like to iterate and reiterate that I am I have a Regular human relationship with your mother <laughs> versus whatever you and your mother have, which is better than human. It's superhuman. I don't like your judgy eyebrows. <laughs> okay, so I'm being a little bit dramatic, but Matthew does often like go like, why haven't you talked to your mom? And I'm like, but I have. <laughs> but Matthew's memory is terrible, so he will ask me the same question the next day. Right. Or sometimes he will ask me the same question 45 minutes later. Right. And I will throw things at him. I'm just testing you. For what? No, I'm really testing your patience. Don't. It's very thin. I have no patience for anyone. (sighs) But yeah, so I I understand Grace's baggage regarding her mother because I have also had moments like that where I'm like, but mommy, no. And I understand. (laughs) I understand Will's impatience with that. Mm Because it's hard when you're when you're on the outside and you see things maybe a little bit more like I want to say rationally. Rationally is not the right word. You have an outside perspective. Mm-hmm. You just see them differently because you're not experiencing right. it. And I think you can relate to that with my mother. Oh, yeah. You have a totally different perspective on the whole dynamic because you are not a part of it. Yes, I do. But I am polite enough to usually hold my comments. That is not objectively true. That is more true than your comments about my mom. <laughs> um, but I think in this episode we see Will do a better job of it than either of us do, perhaps. Yes, but Which is I, unusual for him. It is, but I want to give them the benefit of the doubt and say it's because maybe they have about five, six years on us, like mm-hmm. age-wise. So maybe maybe by the time we're in our 30s, we will know how to deal with that. Right. I don't know. Also, can we talk a brief moment about Grace's mom's amazing theater career and wherever the fuck oh. she lives? Um, it's She's walks into this episode doing 76 trombones and you think it's a throwaway gag. But, but it's but not. She's playing... What is it? Carol? Oh, my, um, she's playing Professor Carol... Hill. Hill. Professor Carol Hill in, in The, the music, music Person. And then she also uh, was um, Millie Loman in Death of a Salesperson. That's kind of brilliant. And actually, I could kind of see Death of a Salesperson working. Oh, I could totally see I that. I think there's some gendered things in The Music Person that would be problematic and... Admittedly, I don't know much about The Music Man, but this is what I know about The Music Man. Everyone's making a lot of Wells Fargo jokes about it lately. <laughs> that is all I, I know. Now. 
<laughs> that's uh, all I got for you. The thing is, though, ethanol... You just wouldn't have a traveling saleswoman wandering into the Midwest yeah, trying I, to sell. I sincerely doubt that, especially because doesn't that take place in, like, the 50s, 60s? No, it takes place in, like... Let's do a fact check. It's, like, the 1800s. Death of a salesman? No. No, I'm sorry. Oh, you're still talking about the music, about the music man. man. I'm like, what? I was like, no, the music man is not from the 1950s. They did not have fucking Wells Fargo stagecoaches. I'm sorry, we were talking about two different things. So Matthew is talking about the music man. Which, I'm talking about the music person, which, which is harder to believe. It's but hard I can totally see death of a salesperson in the 50s. I, I understand more that. More difficult. More difficult, though, because I feel like there would be some gendered issues there about like the literal like action of a woman being a traveling salesperson. That's true. Who dies. <laughs> Maybe that's just kind of what... Spoiler, uh, if the title doesn't give it away, the salesman dies in death of a salesman. <laughs> He's dead. I haven't read that in a while. I'm not 100% positive that there isn't some narrative flexibility there. I think he dies. I think I'm going to do a production of Death of a Salesman where he doesn't die. I mean... But maybe the salesman dies, but Willie Loman does not. I mean, they literally have a scene with Willie Loman's wife where she tells his grave that she paid off the mortgage, I'm pretty sure. Oh, you're right. It's a little hard to get around that if he's not dead. Ooh, rewrite it so he's a vegetable. That could be fun. But like a carrot, not like a vegetable vegetable, <laughs> but like he's just a giant carrot and no one says anything about it. All right, now that we're rewriting classic American <laughs> theater, I think it's time to talk about the B-plot. B-plot time. This is also fun. I think oh not quite as fun, but there's definitely some good moments here. You see, I, I think I maybe liked it better, but maybe it's because I don't have so many issues attached with lying to the INS about immigration status as I do with mommy issues. Right. See, I have less issues with both of those things. Bull to the shit. Okay. Whatever. I have less issues, maybe. Eh. But either way, I have no issues with the INS, so I'm digging the scene where, uh, it's pretty short, the Mm -hmm. scenes we get, where Jack and Rosario and Karen are at the INS office. Yes. And they're prepping for uh, an interview where they're going to decide whether or not Rosario is deported. Yes. So essentially the INS is investigating them because they're like, hmm, this marriage seems weirdly suspicious. Right. I wonder why. If you thought they were suspicious of the marriage when they didn't know who the characters were at all. <laughs> now yeah. they're meeting them. Right. And their INS agent, who I'm assuming never comes back. Yeah, uh, I think so. Their INS agent is this guy who Jack encounters at the very beginning of the episode in like a knockoff Sam Goodies. I don't know. Which, remember Sam Goodies, everyone? I, I honestly don't. I wrote down knockoff borders in my notes mm-hmm. because I was like, what is I think this? it's kind of more supposed to be like an FYE, but it could be a knockoff borders too. I just mean like the sign outside literally said like books and music. Right. That's true. But so Jack. I think they sold books at Sam Goodies, didn't they? I don't know. I've never been. I don't even know what Sam Goodies is. Not important. It's like an FYE. Great. Do you, have you been to an FYE? I've been to one of those, but they don't sell books. No, you're right. They don't. Okay, anyways, not not the point. They sell music. Here's the point. So Jack is having, like, a one-person dance party listening to, like, the sample music. To Britney Spears. To Britney Spears. And he's he's really getting his dance on. He's got some <gasps> Wait, good moves. If it's 1999, what Britney song is he listening to? Oh, I don't, I don't know. It, uh, let, me, let me tap into my inner gate. I think she is either just released Toxic or she's about to release Toxic. Oh, honey, Toxic, Toxic is 2003. Oh, You're really? a bad gay. I just love that song. Why hasn't it existed since the beginning of time? Spoiler alert, it has. Hashtag conspiracy. You're full of shit. Hashtag Toxic BC. So anyways, the guy that Jack runs into while I googled this Britney Spears thing is um, Emmett from Queer as Folk. So anyone else oh. uh, watching... Watching. I've seen, like, one episode of that, and there was a lot of whips and chains. Oh, you definitely... He came in watching, like, I think I was watching some episode in, like, season two or three, and he was hungover and stayed at my apartment, and I, like, <laughs> he came out from the shower as I was, like, watching this album, 
this album, this uh, episode, and it was one of the ones where there's like bondagey shit happening, and it was not a typical episode for them at all. But <laughs> all right, let's go to discography. 1999 was still Baby One More Time. Oh wow, that's really old. But I guess on trend. Mm-hmm. But Oops, I Did It Again came out in 2000, so it's possible there was a single from there. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. No, actually, no, none of the singles were released until 2000. Okay, well, so he was definitely so. listening to something from Baby One More Time. I guess in my memory, I was a kid with Britney Spears, so I didn't have a concept of how big she was, how fast. But she kind of did hit the scene right away, didn't she? Mm-hmm. Good for she her. Did. She hit the ground running. Oops, I did it again to your heart. Got lost, got lost in this game of baby. Okay, that's enough. So anyway, so Jack's having his very nice dance party to Britney Spears after he like basically like made out with the share CD before. He's got some good dance moves. I'm pretty proud of him. But then he kind of starts hitting on this dude who's like next to him and like and the dude's basically like, hitting on him is like the guy's like, oh, I know you from this and that. And, and like well, Jack the, interrupts him and gets the wrong answer. Well, essentially Jack's like, don't I know you from the, he's like, don't I know you from like somewhere and the guy's like no the village and he's like gay pride and he's like no this other thing and he's like he like names his drink he's like Vatican eat and he's like no on the rocks and then they it's like kind of rhymey too. it's it's oh my god it felt like a spoken word poem like <laughs> it was amazing if I can find it somewhere I will maybe post it online mm-hmm. or we'll stick it in the in the medium notes or something but yeah. oh my gosh it's great and so they have this whole thing, and then... It's cute, but it's kind of a throwaway gag. Yeah, and so then we get back to Karen and Rosario are at this store, and they're like, come on, Jack, we have to go continue preparing for the INS. Spoiler Cut alert. to their me- meeting at the INS, where guess who is the INS person they're being interviewed with? It's Emmett from Queerest Folk. Hit me, baby, one more time. And so this guy, he starts off as kind of a dick. Like, he's interviewing Rosario and asking questions... And he's, like, basically tells her, like, get ready to pack your bag as you're going back to El Salvador. Yeah, he's really mean. He's really mean. And then, of course, he's asking, like, the standard questions, like, what's your husband's favorite kind of music? And she's answering things like, oh, well, when he's doing butt aerobics, he likes to listen to NSYNC. But when he's doing his spin class, he likes to listen to Frankie Says Relax. Or whatever the fuck that is. Frankie Goes to Hollywood. Frankie Goes to Hollywood. Relax. And then she sings a little of Relax. (laughs) And it's beautiful. Right. Oh, and so then we have a moment with Karen and Jack, which is great. Where right, because Karen admits that Rosario's her friend. Yes. Well, first she admits that Rosario's her mother, and <laughs> then Jack like doesn't miss a bit, and he's like, "She's not your mother," and she's like, "Okay, well, she's not my mother, but." <laughs> and, but like, it's cute because Jack doesn't seem to realize that until then. Yeah, like and, it's. I think in a certain sense, this scene kind of cut back on some of the jokes it could have had. Yeah. And went for these like emotional moments instead. But I kind of liked that I about too. it. And so Jack is basically like, oh my God, Karen, you're having a feeling. Are you okay? <laughs> and then Karen just like has a moment where she's like, I just don't want her to go back. Like yeah. I love her. And so then Jack bursts into the INS office. It's very sexual. And, uh, but like still homosexual. It's still homosexual, but it's very sexual. Like and he puts his hands on his hips and he thinks he's being really masculine. And but he's like, lit- I think he might even have his hands turned out wrong. Yeah, literally fucking Wonder Woman pose, but yep. he thinks he's That's being exactly so it. masculine. That's and exactly he's like, it. stop right now. No one's going back to El Salvador. Stop right there. Thank you very much. I need somebody with a human touch. We're very musical this episode. We are. It's probably because we watched a debate and we started drinking a little bit. Uh-huh. Before we recorded this. So anyways, so Jack bursts in, Wonder Woman pose, yells at him to stop, and then lays this kiss on Rosario. It's such a cool moment too, because like, 
It's coming from a place of, like, really genuine emotion. Yeah. Like, wrapped up in this, like, heterosexual lie. Right. It's, like, wrapped in this, like, basically, like, like hetero farce. But it's, like, genuine emotion that he cares about Karen and by proxy cares about Rosario and doesn't want her to get deported. Also, or like, for him to, like, go to jail. Also, like, also hidden in there is kind of, like, a sneaky, like, defense of bisexuality. Yeah. But, like, none of the characters in the room seem to be aware of that. Right. He has this beautiful moment because this guy's like, dude, no, I know you're gay. We slept together. Right. And he's like, just because a man sleeps with a man, automatically you peg him as gay. Which I was like, yes. But also, that's clearly not what you really meant. <laughs> but also... Yes, let me have this. Right. I'm going to take that one. I'm going to have that. <laughs> like, for you, this is a laugh line, but also that's actually factually accurate. This is true. This is a real <laughs> thing. This is this is real. But it's really funny. It's great. So it's good. And, and it's also really cool. Yes. And so he lays a kiss on Rosario, and the guy is just like, I don't know, frustrated or sympathetic or something. And he's like, okay, fine, you pass. I'll see you in six months. And then storms out of his own office. Which is very strange. <laughs> but, and then... Then Karen immediately goes, oh, Rosie, I'm so glad you get to stay. I, I just realized that you, you only really realize what you're going to miss until it's almost gone, which reminds me my Chanel suit is at the cleaners. Then you go pick it up. They close in an hour. <laughs> chop, chop. And it's beautiful because it's just what we expect from Karen. Mm -hmm. And then you have this other great moment where Rosario leans back and looks at Jack and she mouths like muy caliente <laughs> and like like runs her like finger around her mouth yeah which is just like the weirdest <laughs> way to do it it's so strange but it's like very playful and funny and then she off she fucks to get the the like <laughs> the dry cleaning or whatever right. and it's it's very good it's just a great evolution in their dynamic yes and i just i think i've said this before but i find Jack and Rosario's relationship to be so strange, but so, like, pure and funny. Mm -hmm. Like, because for people who are in this awkward, like, we are not sexually compatible and we got married for, like, immigration reasons, they, like, they genuinely seem to have fun together. And I think that's great. You know, this is going back a little ways, but in one of the really early episodes, we were talking about that, like, models of gay girl relationships. Mm -hmm. And Rosario and Jack a little bit have the mother and son one that we had talked mm. about. Not quite the same, because, you know, they're married, and they're yeah. pretending that they're having sex. Right, but... But that's the cornerstone of every good mother-son relationship. Ew. Edible <laughs> complex. No. Oh, my God, you guys. So, you know I'm in grad school, all of our um, listeners, and for any new listeners that we've just attracted, I'm in grad school. I don't think school. there's anyone you've encountered who doesn't know you're in grad school. I'm in grad school for <laughs> women and gender studies, and last week I had to read all about psychoanalytic feminist stuff and like my head hurt and it was bad because everything was like I'm sorry what was that? They were talking about like oh the pre-edipal period mm -hmm. and then some people say edipal and some people say edipal and I don't know which is right and I'm just like ugh. God damn it Freud. God damn it Freud. Bastard. Anyways but yeah so I love Jack and Rosie together. I understand that they're never going to be in hetero love, and mm -hmm. that's why I like them. Out of all the couples on this show, out of all the couples on the show, like Will and Grace, Jack and Karen, Jack and Rosario, Jack and Rosario is the one that's least likely to be like working in any fashion. But somehow it really does work anyways. Yeah, I just I just love them so much. They're so they're so. They strange. don't even have chemistry. No. They have, like, anti-chemistry. They do. They're almost, like, so, like... They have so much inertia, like, yes! negative inertia, that they just can't, like, get away from each other. It's like... It's so funny. It's the socks scene. Where they're sitting up in bed, and she's like, what kind of socks do you like? I like a man in a tube sock. Right. Me too. <laughs> like, that whole scene just kind of, like, just demonstrates their relationship in a nutshell. Mm -hmm. And I, I love that we get to see more of it. I love that we've gotten to keep it around. I also kind of like that uh, for the last couple episodes, 
the show's been playing with this idea of having Jack and Karen and Jack and Rosario have the stable functional relationships. Mm-hmm. And, and Will and Grace are... Will and Grace have been super dysfunctional. Yeah, they're kind of coming apart at the seams, which mm-hmm. I think in part, in my opinion, is just that they don't know how to live apart. Yeah. Um, and they haven't But really it's a clever way for the show to go. It's kind of a nice way for the show to go so it doesn't get stale. So it kind of keeps letting their right. characters evolve in these micro ways. And it's not like the first season didn't have scenes where their relationship wasn't working. But they had a more traditional, like, we live together and we're partnered and we mm-hmm. come to a resolution at the end of the episode. Right. They don't really... I mean, like, Grace says she's sorry, but, like, mm-hmm. they don't yeah. really resolve their issues at the end of this episode. Yes. And there have been a couple episodes already where they haven't done that as well. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about that end scene real quick. Okay. It's very strange. So essentially, um, we have this scene where Grace apologizes to Will for being crazy mm-hmm. pants. And then Will apologizes to Grace because they're so codependent <laughs> that he... And he literally says, God, you have me well-trained. I don't have anything to be sorry for. And it's very funny. And they hug it out. Right. And then Grace's mom comes out of Will's apartment and it's like, do you feel anything when you hug each other? Because if you guys could get together, that would make my life so much easier. <laughs> and I'm just like, Ugh. It actually kind of undoes some of the work of the episode. Yes, that's what I thought too. Because I found, I found the episode to be so great because... Grace's mom was just so chill about setting Will up on a date right. and like understanding Will and Grace's dynamic as friends. And then at the end, she's just like, but if you want each other's genitals. Oh, well. Yeah. Ah, uh, well. Wah, wah. Nobody's perfect. Not even Debbie Reynolds. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. Yeah, thanks for listening. Uh, we'll be back next week with mm-hmm. more, more Will and Grace. Yep. Uh, but before then, let me tell you how you can find more about us and more about the podcast. All right. Uh, we're on Twitter at Not A Couple Show. Mm-hmm. We're on Tumblr at notacouplepodcast.tumblr.com. You can always send us an email at notacouplepodcast at gmail.com. And we're putting show notes up on Medium, and we publish to Mixcloud. Yay! So, those are all the places you can find us. Find us in those places. Yay! All right. Well, thanks so much again for listening. I'm Tess. I'm Matthew. And this has been Not A Couple. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. This episode of Not a Couple was recorded in front of a live studio audience of one cast. Yeah. Hi, Eliza. This episode of Not a Couple was brought to you by the Schenectady Players production of The Music Person, starring Bobby Adler as Carol Hill. <laughs>